So we have been doing the Ten Commandments, talking over the Ten Commandments, and uh, they're kind of grouped together just to kind of give everybody a reminder. There's a couple of groups of them. One is a group of commandments on how we uh, treat and work with God or how we react to God. Okay, and that group includes four of the first commandments, which is, will have no other gods before me, not take the name of the, Lord's, uh, the Lord in vain, no great images, and the Sabbath. So this is our relationship with God. And then there is a group of them that talks about others, people around us. And we've actually had a couple that are kind of based on the family. Uh, honor your father and your mother. And we've talked about these and tried to get into the depth of what is behind that commandment. Okay? When God says, thou shalt not, uh, he is looking for the tone behind it. He's looking for our attitudes. He's looking for us to approach things in a right way. And so how do we approach God is the first question. How do we approach people? And you don't just go with a bunch of rules and say, well, I did exactly what he said, and so I'm good. Okay? Understand when Christ came to this earth, he said, well, you've missed the point. If that's all you're trying to do is just get a bunch of rules in your life. And so we've been digging in and looking at these commandments. Uh, we've got all our way through till number nine. So turn with us to Exodus chapter 20. Like I said, we've talked about honoring your father and your mother, which really came down to forgiveness. Okay, one of the keys of those things. Murder comes down to hatred. Adultery comes down to being contented. Learning to be contented. Of course, stealing. And this week we're going to hit Exodus chapter 20, verse number 16 to start out. Verse number 16, Exodus 20. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. All right? So bearing false witness goes back to uh, old parts of the law, okay? And in the law involved in Jewish court, it had to do with witnesses. And if you had two witnesses... You could essentially have enough evidence to convict a person. If two witnesses agreed on something and they came into a court and you were being judged on something and those two witnesses agreed and said, this man, this woman did this. We saw them do this. That was enough evidence in a Jewish court to be convicted. And in turn, from two witnesses... Some of those convictions, some of those sentences were death. So you've got to be pretty serious about what you're doing uh, when you are bearing a false witness about someone. So a false witness says, you're going to come in and you're going to make up something. We call it, we've got a special word for it, right? A liar today, right? You're a liar. If you say that uh, I saw this guy do this, I witnessed him do it, and you didn't see it. Or you didn't quite know the whole story. 
You didn't know exactly what was behind it. So truth is an important thing to God. In fact, we will see how important it is. The truth to God becomes the core of this commandment. The core is about truth. We have a fundamental belief in the Bible that we understand that truth is godly. So let's turn over to John chapter number 14. I'm going to be in the book of John for a little bit. John chapter number 14. As we begin to explore what this really means when Christ again is talking to us and telling us about this truth. John chapter 14, verse number 6. Probably a verse many know. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So if you want to be godly, godly is having truth. Okay, that's one side of what it is. And Jesus then in John, back a few chapters, talks about the opposite side of that. So let's get that perspective as Jesus talks in chapter 8 of John. John chapter 8, verse number 42. John chapter 8, verse 42. Speaking again to... Uh, The religious leaders, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the uh, the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. So Jesus makes a very distinct separation. There are those who want truth, and there are those who accept lies. And those who can hear God's truth are of God, is what he's saying. Those who have chosen to listen to God can hear God's truth. And those who have turned their back can't hear it. And they are of, it says they are of their father, the devil. And he says these religious leaders have turned their back on God and they are not interested in what God really has to say. Because if you were really interested, he says, you could hear me. But you can't hear me. And so he draws a very big distinction that we see even in our society today, those who will accept truth and those who will not accept truth. It's a very large distinction. Those who are deaf to truth 
and those who are not. Now, with that, Jesus says, he is the truth. So he's the way and the truth and the life. There is a way to hear the truth. If you will listen, if you are willing, then you can hear, right? But you have to be willing to bend and understand and go through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, can teach you the truth, right? But there is these two separate ways, and it's very distinct. So when God says, thou shalt not bear false witness, he's serious about making sure you are telling the truth. Because anything else, it says Satan is the father of lies. Right? He is the father of lies. And so, basically he's saying, you're going to choose the side you're on between truth and lies. You're going to choose the side. How do you work? And how do you live? And how do you react? Truth versus lies. So, that's pretty basic. Everybody can see it and can agree. We've all learned it from when we were kids, right? When you're kids, maybe, let's hope you learn these, these, uh, these different sayings. Honesty, honesty is the best policy. Yeah, you got it, right? And how about this? One of our greatest heroes you were supposed to learn about. Father, I cannot tell a lie. I chopped down your cherry tree, right? Because we were supposed to learn that truth was an important thing. And that's a good thing to learn about. But then there are always these little ways when we say, well, I'm a, I'm a truthful person. And I've heard a lot of people say, I am a truthful person. But there's a little bit more to understand. Something that William Blake, he was an author, he said, A truth that is told with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent. A truth that is told with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent. And this is a biblical thought. Let's go back to Leviticus. You can mull that one a little bit. Mull over that one. Leviticus chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse number 16 of Leviticus. William Blake was just... Uh, Reiterating some biblical wisdom. Chapter 19, verse number 16 of Leviticus. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shall thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. All right? So as God begins to lay out his law, he makes sure that this comes up. Because some people like to kind of tell little stories about other people, right? Some people like to tell a little bit of stories. And he says, if you go around and going to be a tale bearer, that basically just means is you like to go behind people's back and tell little stories about them. Maybe there's some truth in it. Maybe there's a little bit of stretch in it about somebody. Why... 
would somebody do that? Well, there's several reasons. First thing is that person probably has an intent to harm. That's the point behind somebody's words that's telling a story like that. Telling a story to hurt somebody purposefully. Now maybe that person did something. Maybe he did something or said something that embarrassed you. So just want to get back a little bit. That's why you might tell a little story. Just kind of let other people know how that guy's not such a good guy. A little bit of revenge, a little bit of getting even. Or maybe they are a tale bearer or a a storyteller because they might be able to gain something from it. Right? We like to get even. Sometimes, or if we think we can climb the ladder somehow or do something or get something over on that other person, that might be a reason that we do that. Or maybe sometimes we might tell a story about somebody just because I think I'm better than him. And that's a judgment that we give. But be aware that God says... Do not judge lest you are judged. Right? Be careful in the way that you judge others. There is intent to harm behind our words a lot of times. Some of us even just get a little bored. Got a little nothing to do. I can call up, tell somebody about something else, use my phone, use the internet. Put a little fun in my life, right? Have a little entertainment and tell somebody about what I saw somebody else do or what I heard somebody else tell. And a lot of times we approach it in this way. We oftentimes go that in a self-righteous way. We say, well, I'm just telling the truth about what's happened. I'm just telling the truth. But really... Sometimes our intent is to harm behind all the words that we use. We're pretty slick at it, though. We're, we're pretty good at it. So we've got different ways we like to do it. Let's turn to Proverbs as we look at some of those ways we like to do it. And I could have brought you to this verse first because... It is an eye-opening verse, but it's almost hard to believe. Proverbs chapter 25. Until you really start to read into it, you can cross right over top of it. Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 18. Talking about a person that likes to use their words with intent to harm. How do we know that's true? Well, Proverbs Proverbs 25, verse 18. A man that beareth false witness against his neighbor is a maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. We got three things. And what are they? Three things. The maul and a sword and a sharp arrow. What are all those things? Weapons. Hey, 
Because that's what, and nobody makes a mall. Now, a mall is something basically with a great big weight on the end. Uh, sometimes it's called a mace. Might be a little subtle differences, but essentially it's a great big weight on the end with a flexible part and a handle. Essentially, you go up to this person with the intent to crush their skull. That's what you want. It's a great big weight, sometimes spikes, and you're going to swing it with all your might, and you're going to crush them. Sometimes, that's the way we use our words. Like a mall. Sometimes, a mall means we come up and we are going to confront that person. We're going to let them know how truthful we are about them. We're going to embarrass them. And we're coming in with intent to make sure they don't get up again. We use our words like weapons, oftentimes. And that's what bearing false witness comes down to, is am I telling the truth? Well, yeah, maybe, but is that all the story? Probably not. From my perspective, it's exactly what I see, and I'm going to come in and let them know. So sometimes we are like that mall. But then there are some of us who are much more calculated. Much more clean and sharp with our words. We like to come in with a sword. Because we can really remove things efficiently. I can show them. And this often, ta- often instead of the mall, which is the confrontational, the sword, which is, I would say, more of a prideful approach. We use our words, and we come in and beat people down because we are smarter than them. Though we think so. A lot of times our words, we approach still with the intent to harm. Right? So the difference between a maul and a sword is a much different weapon. But we are doing the same thing. As we come in, we are trying to to harm people with our words. And then there is the arrow. These are great because you can hide in the bushes, right? Way behind out of sight and wait for your victim to come. Shoot from afar and run. They'll never know what hit them, right? (laughs) And that is how we sometimes do it, right? We find some other person to tell and tells another person with still the intent to harm that person. We just aren't confrontational about it. We're just a little more clever, kind of like waiting in the woods and gotcha. You never knew what hit you. And so that arrow is kind of more uh, less confrontational, right? But it's just as bad. Now, why do I bring that verse up? Wow, that's terrible. Weapons and because I have personally used every one of these. Relationships. I hope not every day, for sure. But I have personally done these things. I've had pride personally where I said, man, I could know just what to say to take that person down. Smart enough to figure this out. Cut them in pieces with my words. The intent is still the same, whether I confront 
or whether I'm telling other people behind their backs, or whether I think I'm the smartest person alive and go at them with sharp words, regardless of it, it is not God's intent. And God's intent when he says, do not bear false witnesses, bring that person no harm. Right? Do not bring that person harm with your words. When you are going in, zeroing in on how you're going to approach it, be a careful person. Be aware. Still in Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is going to go back to chapter number 6. Chapter 6, verse number 16 These six things that the Lord hate, yea, even seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift into running into mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren." You notice in that whole group of things, many of them are on how we treat other people, how we approach other people, how we use our words. We think it all up beforehand. We get them all ready because we're going to go and we're going to say just what we want to say to them because I'm mad. Right? Sounds like a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations because you're going to figure out just what to say. Cut them in pieces. Right? I know this, but it consumes who you are, and God says, I hate that. I don't want you to do that. I hate when you go lying about people, bearing false witnesses, and you know what I hate? He says, when you sow discord amongst the brethren. That means those people all around you, in this church, in other churches, we like to use our words. And we like to say little things just to let someone know how we're not happy with someone else. Maybe we won't have a full-out mace-type, mall-type confrontation, but we like to say those little things to let everybody know. And that is one thing that God says, do not sow discord amongst the brethren. In other words, don't leave little seeds of the words you're saying to try to hurt people. That is what we need to be careful of. Very, very careful of. Creating seeds of discontent amongst us. That is not what God wants. Sometimes discord is just little lies or little half-truths. Or just the way we see it. Right? We like to do that. God doesn't like that. So how do we do this right? right? If we got all these things, the, the maul and the sword and the arrow and all the things that we don't get right, how do we do it right? We're going to go to Paul, Ephesians chapter 4, as we look at this. How do we get this right? Ephesians chapter 4 
verse number 14, as he begins to speak about what truth means and lies and how it affects us and the body of believers. Chapter 4, or chapter four verse 14. Then we henceforth be no more children to and fro, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all the things which is the head, even Christ. So here he is. Do not come into the body of Christ, to the body of believers, into the church with intent to harm. But if you're going to speak truth, he says this, speak truth, right? Speak truth. But that's not where he ends. He says, in love. If the words that we are not going, or the words that we are planning to say do not have the motive of love behind them, leave them out. Walk away from them. Put them away. Figure out how to forgive. Figure out how to drop it. Figure out how to do whatever you need to do. Because if they are words even of truth without love, they will not accomplish God's purpose. What is God's purpose? Go right on to that next verse, verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Wow, Paul has got a lot of words he says, right? And sometimes they're tough to go down through. But basically what that says is you need... The, the, the church is like a body. And you need every bone and every ligament and every muscle and every tendon and all the parts and pieces of that body to work together. If you go to your foot and say, boy, this foot's been annoying me and hack it off, you're only hurting yourself, right? Because the foot you need to drag the rest of your body around. And that's the way God made the church. He said, I made you in such a way that you work as one being. If you go after other pieces of the church, whether it be the foot or the hand or some ligament, you figure out quickly you need every ligament and muscle in your body, right? You need them. You take one out for one short time, you'll figure out how hard it is to get around without those things or to do the things we normally do. So God says, I've created you all to work in harmony like this. And so if you learn to speak the truth in love, you will build that body up. You'll work those muscles and you'll become stronger. If you do not, it's like cutting your foot off and saying, well, I'm a smart guy. No, you're not. You're dumb for just hurting yourself. Right? That's a dumb thing to do. Don't hurt the body of Christ by not being careful and loving with your words. Right? You need to be careful and loving. Now, this is the thing that gets a little scary. 
you learn more truth about people the closer you get to them. And they're going to learn about you. They're going to learn about your faults the closer the relationship is. They're going to learn about your shortcomings. And that is where you kind of become vulnerable. But if you do what Christ says, what Paul tells us Christ says to do, is use our words in love, speak the truth in love, what does love do? I think I heard this before. Love covers a multitude of sins. It covers a multitude of sins. And so the faults that our brothers and sisters have around us, instead of saying, I don't want to be like that guy. Or, did you see what he did? I can't believe she did that. She said this to that person. Love covers a multitude of sins. Stop it right there. Cut it right off. And approach in love and kindness. Forgiving. Forgetting. Moving on. And doing things that God has said... This will edify the body. This will build us up. It won't tear us down. Verse 21 in there as we finish up. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Here's the thing about us as humans. That word deceitful lusts is an interesting little phrase he used, Paul uses there. Basically what it boils down to is we fool ourselves in thinking that we're okay, that we're not so bad. It's everybody else that's bad. Everybody else needs to change. We fool ourselves. And why is that? Because it's our hearts that needs changing. Each one of us. Our heart needs changing. The human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And that includes us. We will surprise ourselves in the capacity we have to sin. Oftentimes. And those are the deceitful lusts that we have. And so we need to learn the truth through God about ourselves. Being careful not to point out everybody else's faults, right? But to come together and say, what can we do? How can I help you? Knowing I've got stuff I can't even see about myself. Right? The things that are inside of me is deceitful. It means I can't see them. I can't see him. Verse 23, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you put on the new man, which after God is created, in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So we are looking to let God change us. He's the one that can do it. And I can't do it on my own. God can change us. 
look to change, look to see ourselves, which is where God says, I want you to see the truth. And the first truth I want you to see is about Christ himself. And the second one is I want you to start to see inside. Because those are the deceitful places about me and myself and my own faults. So we are to be careful. We are to watch what we say. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Paul just put it right in there and say, not a word against somebody else. Be aware, not a word, no corrupt communication, not a word. Let us go to God for the truth and build up others around us. This is God's standard, and it's sky high, as we've always found. But God, you know, what, what Christ said was, with men, this stuff is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. So you go to God, you learn how to be careful with what you're saying. Stop. Is this something loving or not? And that doesn't matter if it's within these four walls And outside, other churches, they have the same mission. God has given them the same mission. And they may not do it just like we do it. And they may not do it as well as we do it, or so we say and think, right? But that's between them and God. Not between me and them. So be careful with our words. Be careful with what we do, how we say it. Thank you very much.